Hey everybody, welcome to episode 43. <laughs> episode 43 of Lunch with PB&J. I talk a lot during the week, and sometimes I gotta remember who I'm talking to 43. and why I'm talking. Um, speaking of talking a lot, so if you listen to us on Spotify, or if you use Spotify a lot, this time of year you get your year, your wrap-up, your yearly wrap-up. Spotify sends you out like this little thing that tells you who you've listened to, which by the way, Spotify, that's not who I listen to. I don't know. <laughs> There's, there's songs on my top 100 list and I'm like, I hate that song. I skip that song every time. I'm not going to say it because if I say it, some people will be upset. because lose their minds. People love this song and I it. don't like this song. It just pops up on random playlists. But anyway, we have two people, Joy. Two people two? that we are their number one podcast. Bless their hearts. God bless you. It's probably the only podcast you listen to. But that's, we'll take it. I've adopted, uh, I've adopted a saying from uh, one of our favorite bands in our family. Uh, Need to Breathe is one of our favorite bands. And they have a little slogan that they say all the time. They're the, the best band that nobody's ever heard. <laughs> and so I've adopted the phrase for our podcast. We're the best podcast no Everybody's one's ever heard, heard of. So that's, uh, we're, that's our claim to fame. Thanks. But Thanks for listening. We are number one on at least two people's Spotify playlists, so... Amy and Maddie. <laughs> they just so happen to be Joy's best friends. But hey, who's who's counting? None of my friends listen, but whatever. That's fine. I don't need you. Uh, we've got Joy's friends. Jealous. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I thought that was kind of exciting. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe we'll get you something. Not really. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I said all that because we said something about, oh, I talk a lot. And on Maddie's, it said... 940 minutes that she's listened to us this oh, year. Bless her. 940 minutes. That's just the podcast. She has to listen to me all the time. All right. So we are shifting gears uh, mm. away from the parables, Something which were new. awesome. Yeah. Parables were fantastic, but we are moving away because the Bible has a lot more than just parables in it, Joy. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we are shifting to um, First and Second Peter mm-hmm. is what we're going to cover. We're gonna kind of uh, we're gonna go through first and second Peter before the end of the year. All right. So Fingers even <laughs> even uh, even though two of our episodes, the last two episodes for 2021, they're gonna come out on uh, Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. It's okay. You don't have to listen to it that day. That day, it's fine. We understand. Um, but that gives us five Fridays coming yeah. into this month. If you're listening to it week to week, if you're listening to this like two years after this, this means nothing to you. But um, so yeah, we're going to finish it before the end of the year. That's our goal. And so we'll have like one chapter this week, two chapter the next few weeks. And then, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah. So first Peter, and, uh, we're doing this because Joy wanted to. Mm-hmm. I read Peter, first Peter, first and second Peter recently, I would say in the last six months. And it was just really, really impactful to me. So here we go. I'm going to so, share it. Let's do it. First Peter. Um, so let's give a little context, a little context. <laughs> we should call the podcast context with PBNJ. It doesn't really sound the same, but anyway. Um, so Peter was writing primarily, uh, Peter was an apostle to, or a missionary to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that he wouldn't preach to Gentiles. In fact, he's writing this letter 
to a group of churches. We're going to hear the names of the cities and uh, the primarily, realistically, most of those churches were probably made up of Gentiles. Mm -hmm. They would have been a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, but they would have had a lot of Gentiles there. But Peter was known as more of a um, apostle or more of a missionary to the Jewish people. So he's writing this to Christians, though, um, that were experiencing persecution at the time. Um, Nero mm -hmm. would have been the emperor of Rome. And so there was a lot of persecution happening around the churches, uh, around the Christians. And there were some Christians that were, it was going to the extent of some Christians being killed or tortured because of their faith. Uh, at the very least, the Christians were experiencing a lot of social and economic persecution. Mm -hmm. So this is not something, because normally when we think of persecution in that time, we think of, you know, the Colosseum and Christians being thrown to lions and things like that. And obviously terrible things. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't being done to the broad scale that even sometimes I think we think it was being done to. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely happening. But what was happening even more than that was this social and economic persecution mm -hmm. where Christians were being, um, were, were going through these, these times where because of their faith in Jesus and because they wouldn't do certain things that the culture was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll talk about more that more about that in a moment. Um, that because of that, they were being cut off. Like mm -hmm. there were some Christians that were being blacklisted. So even if they owned a business, say, there were people that wouldn't go and shop in their business because they were a Christian. Mm -hmm. uh, on the other side of that coin, people wouldn't sell to them. And so they were really being cut off. If you ever, ever wondered why the early church was so big on everybody kind of pooling their resources yeah. together to take care of each other, this was part of the reason why. There was so much social and economic persecution mm -hmm. where they were really being cut off from being able to practice in everyday life. A little life. more relatable to us today. Absolutely. what you think yeah. of if you only think of like, oh, they were thrown to the lions. Right. Where we know in some countries that that, that does happen with Christians. Mm -hmm. um, there is, uh, I mean, you could tie this into a lot of things right now in terms of your Christian faith mm -hmm. where you see sometimes lawsuits for uh, businesses that say, you know what, I can't do this because of this. Mm -hmm. Because it goes against my morality. Right. Uh, it goes against my faith. And so people, businesses get... You know, we live in a cancel culture, right? So all of those things. So that's some of what there was going, some of what was going on, and the purpose of this letter that Paul or Peter. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Paul a lot today. Uh, in my notes, I have Paul written in my notes. Oh no! Uh, in certain places, and I would catch it every once in a while and scribble it out. But um, the reason Peter is writing this letter is to encourage and comfort the Christians. Right. Uh, and but what's interesting is he's doing it with the thought of eternal life. Right. And so it really is this challenge of, hey, guys, I know it's bad. Mm -hmm. I know it's rough, but we're not living for this world. We're living for eternity. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he uses to um, to encourage them. And I thought this was interesting in in, uh, in the study, one of the study Bibles I was using to get ready. It said this in the description for the, the letter. It says, when we suffer, we must remember that Christ is both our hope in the midst of suffering and our example of how to endure suffering mm -hmm. faithfully. Right, yeah. And I thought that was so powerful because, yes, the way that we come through uh, trials and persecution and things like that is by putting our hope in Jesus, mm -hmm. is the idea of, you know, and I think a lot of people are saying it these days of yeah. just 
come get me Jesus. Like we're just, <laughs> we're anticipating. <laughs> and, and it's because our hope is in yes. the fact that there's a better life to come. Yes. Right. But not only is Jesus our <laughs> hope, he's also our example yeah. because Jesus was persecuted. But I think that's a really important thing because he's not just telling you to do it. He's showing you how. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and, and it's that, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. All right. We need to get into it. So uh, we're going to start chapter one and uh, verse one. So it says, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So in case you're wondering, how do you know this was written by Peter? Mm-hmm. He tells us. Because he said so. Uh, I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Modern day Turkey. There you go. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, depending on if you want to read it exactly the way it is. I, I switched it around for some reason. I don't know why. Um, so I, I didn't ask you what you have today and where your notes yeah, are. There's, so it's all over the place. I'm going to let you talk first okay. if you got anything right there. Um, and let me just finish out my little sentence because it goes with what I'm saying. It says, the end of that, may, may God give you more and more grace and peace. Isn't this like this greeting, right? And this might not seem like anything. So many times I think we read the scripture and we kind of go over the greeting really quickly and we don't realize how just powerful actually the greeting can be but what I see here too is this thing of like it shows you the trinity I don't know if you if you saw that or not but it says so he's writing this to us um he's writing to us God's chosen people and I think that's really he's reminding the the people he's speaking to you're God's chosen you're Mm -hmm. valuable you're important because he's going to go into more and it's just it's important to see who he calls them and yeah. that they're God's chosen people. Um, and we're in, living in a foreign place, so they've been scattered. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we can relate to that because, you know, in the Bible it talks us, like, this is not our home. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like it, it relates to us in that way also. But you see the Trinity when it says, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you, because we're chosen. And he says, Your, his spirit has made you holy. So the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is at work. And then it says, and we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I really think it's cool. Right in the opening, you see the work of the Trinity right away. Yeah. Um, and then it has this last part, may God give you more and more grace and peace. And I just think that's encouraging to me because it's like even that wording, more and more grace and peace. And it just shows me there's a progression to what he wants to give and do in my life. Um. And I just look at it like that's my prayer for us as we go into First Peter, just that we would get more and more grace and peace from God. We would get more from mm-hmm. God. We would get more truth, more encouragement, like whatever we feel like we're lacking in in our spiritual life, that God would give us more. Yeah. So as we study the Bible together, that's the whole point of us doing this together mm-hmm. is to get more. Um, so I guess I, I read that and I thought, you know, that's my prayer for even what we're doing here with, with this audience and with ourselves. So just, yeah. God, give us more. Um, but I thought that was cool, the greeting of you're seeing the work of the Trinity in just that beginning statement. No, absolutely. No, that's good. Um, yeah, I, 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 my, the part that jumped out to me, and I did see the Trinity in there, but also 
just this idea that he calls it, he says twice, he says, I'm writing to God's chosen people mm -hmm. who are living as foreigners. But then he also says it in verse two, God, the father knew you and chose you mm -hmm. long ago. And this is a, a, he's trying to get that home. Yeah. This is always, and this is always a topic that, you know, people dive into of, you know, did God only choose certain people? Are we predestined to believe Are you know, if God chose us, does that mean the people that don't choose, whatever. All right. You can listen, trust me, whatever you believe you're going to, you're, you'll talk in circles. Okay. Um, but I, and I've, and I actually, I talked about this on, at our church, uh, a few weeks ago and, uh, the title of the message was choose to be chosen mm -hmm. because it's this idea of who does God choose to follow, to, to follow him, mm -hmm. everybody. Right. This is why we have verses. And so there's people that hear verses about God chose and they're like, yes, yeah, see, God chose. God chose. He predestined. There's only certain people that can that that will ever be saved. But then what do you do with verses that say for God so loved the world mm -hmm. that he gave his only begotten son or verses like in that Romans whosoever. that whosoever will. Right. And, and then Romans 10, uh, 13, I think it is, says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it is, this is where we kind of get into that cyclical, well, the only way you'd call is if God chose, but it said everyone who calls. And so this is what it comes down to is we choose to be chosen. Mm -hmm. God has chosen all of us. Uh, he's chosen all of us. He wants everyone. Right. He gave his son to die as a ransom for all. And we'll see that in a moment, but we have to choose to be one of the chosen. Right. All right. You have been chosen. You've been picked to be a part of God's family, but you have to choose to be a part of that family. Mm -hmm. You have to choose to accept the invitation to come in. And so that was my, the part that jumped out at me there was that choose, chose part there. Yeah. All right. So let's keep going. Verse three is on the next page. Um, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Mm -hmm. One little side note, and I'm going to let you go first again. Uh, these next few verses, verse 3 to verse 12, I don't know if you saw this, verse 3 to verse 12, in the original Greek language, is one sentence. Good gracious. Fun fact for That's you. It's a long sentence. It is a very long <laughs> sentence, and it was considered to be a sign of a great um, of a great writer, a great communicator, if you could express long thoughts like that in one sentence. I hate long sentences. I hate them with a passion. Um, and yeah, anyway, I just that's thought that, that's probably why it stood out to me as I read no, that. No, I did not catch that. Yeah. In the original Greek, these, uh, would, it, would that be nine verses? Yeah. These nine verses are one sentence. Yeah. Wow. But we have punctuation in English. In <laughs> and for all the English the teachers the out there. Yeah. The, and when they translated it, they're like, these English people, they're not going to be able to figure <laughs> this out. They're not going to be able to track it. So anyway, go ahead. So in that part right there, I think it's more verse three and three and four. I just feel like you see... You see, Peter is reminding us and the and the readers here. He's reminding them of the hope they have. Mm -hmm. He's reminding them of this great expectation that they have. And what I think is cool is it says, you know, why do why do we have this hope? 
why do we have this great expectation that he's talking about? It's because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So because Jesus was resurrected, this is where our hope comes from. Yeah. This is how we have this great expectation. Um, but I guess sometimes when I read the Bible, I kind of flip things a little bit. And, and I see hope here. But I got to thinking, I'm like, you know, here's Peter telling us we have this great hope. We have this great expectation. We have... Um, we have a priceless, you know, inheritance and, and, and heaven is, is kept up. It's pure and undefiled. And, and we have, um, something that's not going to change. It's not going to decay, but the way my mind works is, so why is everybody running around hopeless? Like mm. even within the church, mm. you see people yeah. just hopeless. You know, I kind of get where the world and their state of mind is because they're not putting, they don't have that great expectation that we do. You know, what they're putting their hope in um, is ever-changing. You just look at even what the last few years of just COVID and, um, and this changing and, you know, economy and, you know, all these things are just so unstable, right? Um, so I kind of get where the world has no hope, but I just look at that and say, well, so the church why why is the body of christ just walking around in this heaviness and and they seem so hopeless mm -hmm. and this is why i feel like it is really important what peter's doing here we need to do also in our life yeah. is to remind ourselves because i think sometimes we forget we forget and we get in the middle of trials or we get in the middle of distractions or we get in the middle of covid or we get in the middle of whatever and we forget this great expectation mm -hmm. and hope that we do really have yeah and when we're eyes are on when our eyes are on that it, it changes things it changes yeah. our perspective and i felt like that's where peter was coming from he starts with a he starts from this place of praise yeah like and and he's just acknowledged so it's not like it's this blind stupid faith like sometimes we get accused of having blind stupid faith like we don't acknowledge that there's problems in the world <laughs> and it's just this whatever yeah um he's already acknowledged like he's acknowledged that they're foreigners they're, yeah. the reason yeah. that they're foreigners in these lands is because they were scattered for persecution yeah like he's acknowledged what they're going through mm -hmm. um but now he's like it's, he starts everything else he's going to say he starts from a place of praise because it's this acknowledgement of yes you may be going through trials now but it was worse before because you were in sin mm -hmm. And so he starts off, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. Yeah. So it was that great mercy. And, and I always, you know, the, the, the word mercy, I always say that um, the, the best definition is, is not getting what we deserved. Mm -hmm. When we were in our sin, we deserved hell. We deserved yeah. punishment. We deserve all these things. But because of his great mercy, we're not going to receive all of those things. And so understanding too like in light of that that the trials and persecutions that we go through they are not god's judgment sometimes people look at those things and go well that's god's persecuting me i'm being persecuted i'm being persecuted by god and it's not it's 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 not that it's but by his mercy we're not getting what we deserve right um and and then as you say the next thing he talks about is we live with great expectation mm -hmm. Or in other translations, I like it, it says, we live with a living hope. Mm -hmm. That's good. It's a living hope. Yeah. 
So if you've ever heard that phrase. An everyday hope. Yeah. If yeah. you've ever heard that phrase, a living hope, he's my living hope. Right. This is where it comes from. Yeah. We're just reading out of a different translation. But living hope comes from this. And that, that term living hope, it speaks to a hope that is active. Mm -hmm. It is sure. Mm -hmm. It is, um, it, it, it's, it's real. It's yeah. tangible. Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's something you can count on, this priceless inheritance. So this word inheritance is the same word that's used when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and they were being led, they were giving, they were being given the promise of a land, mm -hmm. of a new land flowing with milk, of hun milk and honey. The same word inheritance was used then as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I've brought you. So everything that happened to Israel in the Old Testament is a picture in, in those four years. It, it's a parallel to our lives today. Yeah. So they were brought out of slavery, just like we've been brought out of slavery to sin. And now they're in the wilderness. They're wandering for 40 years. We're caught, and this is what Peter's talking about. We're caught in this in-between mm -hmm. where we have been delivered from the slavery of sin through Jesus, mm -hmm. but we're not yet to our inheritance. Mm -hmm. We're not yet to that, that promised land, right. which is going to be heaven for us. That's the eternal life. <laughs> but it's, I thought it was interesting that it's the same word mm -hmm. that's used, but the same way that they went for those 40 years in the wilderness, we go through this time here on earth mm -hmm. with a living hope, an yeah. expectation that there is something that is greater that's coming. And he says that inheritance is being kept for us in heaven. Mm -hmm. And it's being kept pure and undefiled, beyond decay, where nothing can spoil it, where it stays that. untarnished, where the hope never fades, it never perishes. Anything you live for in this world will eventually fade. Anything that you have hope for, if yeah. you've ever like hoped for anything, whether you were a kid Hoping, we're coming into Christmas, right? <laughs> Whether you were a kid hoping for a new toy, a new Lego set, whatever, and then you get it and you're excited about it for a minute, but then that excitement fades. fades. It fades over time. Because you yeah. lose the pieces. Because, <laughs> because it breaks. Your it, sibling breaks something. But I thought what the other thing that was interesting in this, because he's talking about that our inheritance is being kept safe for us. Mm -hmm. And it's being kept in heaven where the sin and the evil of this world can't tarnish mm -hmm. it. It cannot destroy what God and is doing. you just love that because I so get that right now because I feel like the devil has put his nasty fingers on absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Even good things that God has given. And he's put his nasty little fingers on everything and you see how things are defiled. Yeah. You know, here. And I just thought, you know, in the same way, when you read through Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all this time where they spent in the wilderness, these 40 years trying to get to the promised land, they were, they were hit yeah. time after time with battles and struggles and enemies trying to fight them and destroy mm -hmm. them and all these things. And yet nothing could stop them from reaching the promised land. Why? Because God promised right. it to them. Right. He said, there is a land that's there, and it doesn't matter who gets in your way. It doesn't matter how many of you, uh, you know, try to fight again, how many of you try to, like, nothing, nothing is going to stop me yeah. from getting my chosen people yeah. to the land that I've promised them. Yeah. And it's the same thing with us in heaven. This is why we can take it to the bank. This is why we can have a living hope and an expectation, is God has promised for every person that will put their faith in Jesus. Yes. There is an eternity. There is eternal life that is waiting for them. And there's not an enemy in this world that can stop it. This happening. is to kind of like 
kind of look at that word hope. I had this conversation with somebody recently just about, I feel like we've messed the word hope up. Mm-hmm. We just kind of messed that word up because when I think about just our terminology and how we use it and how we think about things we hope for, they're really not based on anything that's actually like, I hope it doesn't rain. I hope right. this, I hope that. And what he's talking about here is a sure hope. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's different. It's a, it's a definite hope. Yeah. When we talk about, yeah. When we talk about a living hope in yeah. God, it's not a, Oh, I hope it's going to happen. Yeah. I hope she calls me. <laughs> it's not that it's, it's, hope like hope is definitive yes it's a definitive hope yes and that's why i think it's also why it's called a living hope it is it is sure it is real that is the meaning of the word hope Mm -hmm. is it is sure it is real we're not hoping something will will happen it's It's something it's it's knowing and my hope my hope is found in nothing less (laughs) he's gonna sing then jesus so i thought it was neat too when it says the inheritance that he's talking about is kept in heaven for us. This inheritance is kept in heaven. So heaven is keeping this for us. He's mm-hmm. keeping it secure and undefiled and pure. And then the other thing as you go for- farther, it says, um, and through your faith, God is protecting you. So it's this thing of, okay, heaven is kept for us, but also we are being kept here. Mm-hmm. You know. So, because yeah, it's not almost like okay, heaven's being kept and and it's not getting defiled, it's not getting messed up. But then you could say, but God, I have to live in this impure, defiled world. What mm-hmm. about me? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is my faith is what protects me and yeah. keeps me. But in in looking at that, I thought it was really cool because it says, and through your faith, God is protecting you by His power. So. I got to think about this, like the idea of um, you can't have God's protection without first having your faith. Like mm-hmm. you almost see that there's a partnership because um, God, God wants to protect his children. God wants to protect us by his power and, yeah. and God's not lacking in any way. But what happens when we don't pick up that shield of faith and, and put our armor on? What happens when we don't choose to have faith in God and we start having faith in other things and we lose our hope, you know, then God can't, he can't protect us like it's meant to be because there's a partnership. And I feel like there's a combination there. How is God going to protect us? He's going to protect us through our faith. And we have to choose to pick up that shield in order for that to happen. Mm -hmm. But I liked that idea that not only is heaven being kept for us, but we're, we are also going to be kept, and we're going to be protected because, you know, again, when we look around at this world and how evil it is, and, you know, God, keep my marriage. God, keep our children. God, keep, you know, keep me from the evil one. Keep me from temptation. Keep me from sin. That's all something God is is going to do when we hold up that shield of faith. Yeah, that's good. Verse 6, so, so. So. Be truly glad. <laughs> there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. 
you know, I, re I read this part and I, I kind of thought of uh, marriage vows. All right. So when you get when married, he saw the word trials. He <laughs> thought of marriage. When you when you get married and you take your vows, those vows that you take, they the, the, and a, a vow. You know, you're making a promise to each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so as part of that, you know, you, you have the whole, you know, I, I, I promise that for, for better, for worse, yes. and, and for and richer health. and poor, and sickness and in health, and it's I will be faithful to mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. till death do us part, mm -hmm. right? And the reason that you do this is because you are expressing your faithfulness and commitment to one another because you know that those vows will be tested. Yeah. There's always going to be sense, better times and there's going to be worse times. Yeah. There's going to be times where you're richer. We're still waiting for those times. <laughs> but or poorer. <laughs> uh, you know, there there's we've been healthy, we've been sick. We we've, we've had mm -hmm. these trials in our marriage. That's why but we we made a promise. We made a commitment to to each other that no matter what we were always going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing in our relationship with God is our faith will go through times of trial, but God has, has committed to us that in sickness and in health, for richer, <laughs> for poor, for better, for worse, he's never going to leave That's us. That's good, yeah. And so he says, listen, you're going to go through these trials, but it's it's okay because even though you go through these things, if you will remain faithful, when you remain faithful, it's just going to show yeah. that you that 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 you can overcome these trials. Over, uh, yeah. yeah, that it's real, and so it's that idea. He uses it like like uh, fire tests and purifies gold, and it's this, you know, when the way that they purify gold is they heat it up, they make it hot, and then what happens is all the impurities rise to the surface and they can scoop the impurity, the dross it's called. Yeah. They, they can scoop that off and you're left with something that is pure. Yeah. And so every time we go through trials in, in our lives and we're able to come through that with greater faith, mm -hmm. with a more determined faith that God, and, and what happens, what you'll find is that, you know, your faith is built on trial after trial. So, <laughs> You know, because I survived the last one, it gives me more faith to survive the next one. It gives me more faith to lean into God, to lean into Christ, to lean into my relationship with Him even more. And so trials and persecution surrounding our faith is what will test and purify our faith to God because it just continually draws us closer and closer and closer. Yeah. And if you'll lean into Him and stand by your commitment of God, I give you my life. When we become Christians, what we're saying is... Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life, master of all. I will follow you anywhere, mm -hmm. into anything, no matter what. And so at the first sign of trials, we can't run. Right. We've made a commitment. And he's going to stick by his commitment. Mm -hmm. The question is, are you? And if you will, then what will happen is your faith will get pure and pure. We read in 1 John chapter 5 uh, this week that, you know, when it's like, there is a confidence that comes that when you are truly, when you truly know God, when you are committed and when you put all of your faith in him, mm -hmm. it, it says in first John five that, that you will know that there will be a confidence mm -hmm. in, in your heart where God testifies in your heart. The Holy spirit 
confirms in your heart and you have this confidence that yeah. even when people come at you like they came at Job yeah. and go, why don't you just curse God and die? He's just like, mm. even, the, even the people closest to him. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure God's okay. Like, I'm pretty sure God's got this. It's going to be okay in the end. And that's what happens is the more that you put your faith in him, then no matter what trial, no matter what persecution comes, all the impurities start to come out. Anything in those impurities are the things that would make you doubt. Right. Those things that would make you go, you know what? If God's not, if God's going to let me go through this, if this is going to happen, then I'm just, what's it, well, it's not worth it. I'm just going to go back to my old life. Yeah. And all those things rise to the top. And as you lean into Jesus, they get scooped off. Mm -hmm. And it becomes easier and easier and easier to just go, you know what? Do your worst because I trust it. Because him. it's genuine trust and real. Yeah. 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 So that portion there, what is it, six through nine, basically. Like, I feel like in the other part, he's talking about hope. But we have this hope. And then Peter goes on to explain, you know, so be truly glad. Be glad. And, and yet you keep reading and he's like, be glad in the middle of the trials, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think our human nature just says, how, how in the world can I be happy? How in the world can I be glad in the middle of suffering, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of pain? Um, how can this even happen? You know? And so I thought about one example and I guess it's cause I've done this many times. So it was like the first thing that came to my mind is just in the natural sense. Um, something natural that I understand this principle by is is when childbirth, pregnancy, right? So you have something here that is incredibly in uncomfortable, incredibly like moments of such intense suffering throughout those pregnancies and, and delivery and childbirth, and yet why can I have why why can I actually have joy? Why can I be truly glad in the midst of that suffering for that mm -hmm. portion of time? Um, it's because I know this is not going to last forever and the reward is better than the pain, the suffering. Um, you know, it's just 45 months of suffering of pregnancies I've been through in my life and I'm done. <laughs> it's 45 done. <laughs> 45 done the math, months. Yeah. I have done the math. It wasn't that hard. 45 months of that. Was it worth it to me? Yes, because on certain days, <laughs> um, it's this thought of the reward of my children, my children and my husband are like every guts, my greatest blessing. And so it's this thing of that was 45 months worth of suffering and, and pain in that course of my life. But I can look back and say, Oh, I, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying that, you know, was it great having morning sickness? Was it great? You know, especially, that last one with Gracie where the epidural did not take. Was that great? No, it was not great. But it's this thing of, I look back now and I'm like, oh my goodness, I would do that a million times over because of my children. So I look at that and how he says mm -hmm. to have joy, be truly joyful even in the middle of this pain because in the end, what does he say? Um, he says the reward of trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Yeah. So our reward is heaven. Our reward is our salvation. And so these trials that we are facing, and that's not to make light of those trials, you mm -hmm. know, even in pregnancy. I hate it when like women are just like, you know, uh, yeah, 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 no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And then you're the one pregnant with your first child going, how am I going to do this? You know, so it's real to us. The pain yeah. is there. 
the suffering is there. It's not that it's not that it's not hard to go through, but it's this thing of the reward and the benefit on the other side of it mm-hmm. is worth it. And I feel like that's what Peter is telling us is you you're gonna suffer here on this earth. You're gonna have trials. It's not gonna last forever. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna come through it and the reward's gonna be worth it. Yeah. But that idea of joy, of understanding, hey, how do how do I because again I feel like what we see right now is a bunch of Christians in the church, and it's been me at moments in my life of, woe is me, you know, and they've lost their joy. They've lost, they've lost sight of heaven. They've yeah. lost sight, and they're getting so much into the trial, so much into the mindset of the suffering that they forget the reward that's coming. Because I think, too, like, and I understand that there's some people that are going through things yeah. that... You're like, how am I supposed to find joy in this? You can't. Like that. That's what. That's what Peter's trying to explain. Mm-hmm. Is there is no joy in your circumstance, yeah. but our joy is not found in our circumstance. Mm-hmm. Our joy is found in our inheritance. What we, what we know is coming. Is what is coming. Yeah. And so there is no joy. There is no joy in your pain. Yeah. There is no joy in in your suffering. And it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." And again, I say, "Rejoice." Like when Paul wrote that. He's not saying like rejoice and suffer. Like count it all. I count it all. What is it? I count it all joy to, to, to suffer for Christ. Like it's not. He's not saying that what you're going through is supposed to bring you joy. Yeah. It's the idea of what it brings. Like what what is coming is where we find our joy. Mm-hmm. And so if we can find that, like if we can get to that mental state mm-hmm. of faith, no matter what, mm-hmm. faith in what is to come, no matter what. Yeah. It, it gives us a way to bring that, again, as Paul said, a peace that surpasses all understanding, a peace that in the middle of your circumstance that is just devastating, yeah. but there is still this underlying sense of joy because you realize that the pain of this world is temporary mm-hmm. and that the, the reward, the inheritance is coming yeah. and that if you can put your eyes forward, then that gives you the ability, the mental state, the faith to overcome and to get right. through what you're going through in the moment. Right. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Um, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do see him now, you trust him and rejoice with the glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about, which the Spirit of Christ there is just another way of saying the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of God, um, was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. This was kind of a cool little section here. Um, And I'm just going to, I don't have a lot on it. I just want to talk about it for a second, though, just to kind of get it is um, the Bible is God's written plan of God's redemption. It's it's written evidence of God's redemption plan. Mm -hmm. Let me say it that way. 
So from the beginning, God's always had this plan of redemption that he has revealed little by little by little by little by little by little. Mm -hmm. And nobody has the complete plan. Even Jesus <laughs> doesn't have the complete plan because he said, Jesus said, there's a, that he's coming back. He doesn't know when. Not even the Son of God knows. Only the Father knows. There's going to come a moment where the Father turns to the Son and says, okay, get go up. get him. All right? And he's going to jump up and he's going to come get us. All right? <laughs> so that's awesome. We're looking forward to it. It's coming soon, guys. Okay? But the Bible is God's written plan. And so what it's talking about is even the prophets of the Old Testament, yeah. they were given little pieces. Yeah. And so in the Old Testament, you see little pieces of God's redemption plan, that there was going to be a Messiah, yeah. and he was going to provide. Now, they're writing this at a time when if you sinned, you had to offer a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But they're getting the Holy Spirit speaking to, the, to them, saying there's going to come a time mm -hmm. where they won't need to do that anymore because there's going to be one sacrifice for all. A Savior is coming. A Messiah is coming. And it says, they were told, this isn't for you. It's not going to come in your time, but you're going to write this down for people that are going to come later. Yeah. And it's the same thing with our inheritance in heaven. The, the story, Jesus unfolded some of that story. Yeah. The apostles tell us more details of that story, but it wasn't for them. It's for us. Mm -hmm. Peter's writing it for them, and, and it's also for us that God's story is continuing to unfold. And I think... I think Probably the, the, the line that I like the best in there was the last one that I read. It is also wonderful that even the angels of angels are eagerly watching these things happen. The angels, okay, get this. The angels are in heaven. Yeah. They are surrounded by God. Yeah. They are in the presence of God all the time. Yeah. They have watched creation unfold. They have watched Lucifer. They've watched Satan be cast out yeah. of heaven. They've watched a third of their army be cast out with him, you know? And they've watched humanity unfold through the ages, yeah. and yet they don't know when the end will happen. Yeah. All they know is that they serve an almighty God. And so they are watching it unfold. All of this is happening. And, and, and I read that, and all I could think of was that verse in Luke 15 that says, all of heaven rejoices yeah. when one soul repents right. and comes to Jesus. Right. And then you see this, this, and I, you get this picture of heaven, like mm -hmm. the angels just watching everything that's going yeah. on. And every time you get victory over something, every time you stand fast mm -hmm. in, your, in your faith, every time a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, Heaven just erupts. Yeah. It's like watching reality TV to them, <laughs> and like their favorite edge of your seat. They're like their favorite cast members are are like are making it through. Like they've made it through another week. Yes, they overcame. They won the challenge. They won the challenge. All right, they have immunity against sin. Woo! You know, it's just like we've been watching Survivor. Uh, but I just yeah that that visual of the angels watching everything yeah. unfold and eagerly waiting eagerly waiting for eternity to come to us so that we can experience what they experience, which is So that part stood out to me too because you if you're thinking like I kind of get the prophets in the sense of they're wondering about what is what is this about and just wondering in the mystery of God and the mystery of salvation. But then you do you get to the part where about the angels and you're just thinking, wow, like you'd think they would just be around God's 
glory all the time that, you know, I don't know. And she, so the fact that it's saying even the angels are eagerly watching and anticipating this salvation. Mm -hmm. So the word eagerly watching, me being nerdy, is the same word that it talks about in, so it's Luke 24, 12, and it's John 20. And it's when, um, when they come to the tomb and they stoop down and look into the tomb, it says they, it uses the word stoop, but apparently stoop and then this also eagerly watching are the same. So I'm literally getting a different picture about it when you, when you take it in the, that wording, it says even the angels are and different, uh, different, uh, wording was they stoop or they look intently or they peer in <laughs> or they look down to see these things happen. Cause you just get this visual of angels in heaven looking down and just kind of pulling back the curtains of their realm into ours yeah. to see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, the same idea of when they were so amazed when, you know, Jesus is resurrected, his body's not there and the disciples are in amazement. And then they go to look in the tomb in amazement. You know, it's that same imagery yeah. of these these angels being in awe of what God is doing. It's powerful. It's cool. But it's mysterious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, verse 13 says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. So again, it's in light of all of these things in light of what God has done in light of giving his son in light of, uh, of the understanding of knowing that this world is temporary, the pain, the struggles, the trials, the persecutions, they're temporary, but we have a living hope of what is to come in light of all of that. He says, think clearly and exercise self-control. In other words, like, Every once in a while, you just have to, I tell people all the time, perspective is everything. Mm -hmm. Perspective is so important in our daily lives. Yeah. And so I feel like that's what Peter is saying here is like, in light of all of those things, in light of everything that you know, mm -hmm. like shift your perspective around so that you will think clearly, think clearly about that circumstance that you're in. Mm -hmm. Is your life better? Would your circumstance be better if you just walked away from Jesus? Would your life be better if you just went away? Would that make your circumstance better? If you just threw away the, the hope that you have in Jesus to go back and do what you always did? No, think clearly. Think clearly and exercise some self-control. It's not better. That that moment, even even because he talks about old habits and things like that, don't slip into your old ways of living, satisfy your own desires. Like sometimes we can be tempted to sin and we can be tempted to do things that we, we used to do and sins that we used to struggle with. And we can be tempted to do that and thinking in our mind, it's just one thing. Is it worth it? Yeah, yeah. And that's what Peter says. Is it worth it? No, it's not worth it. So exercise some self-control mm -hmm. because this is what you've been called to. There was a time, listen, there was a time where you could do that and you could say, well, I didn't know, I didn't know any better. Now you do. You can't say you didn't know, because now you do know. The Holy Spirit's living inside of you, telling you right. not to do it. Right. So now you know. And and whereas before, when we didn't know there was grace, listen, that grace is gone. 
Like grace is, is, is it's different when the Holy Spirit's convicting you and you just make that decision to go back and do what you always did. We have been called in light of all of these things. We've been called to practice self-control, exercise yeah. self, and the Holy Spirit will give you the power to do that, mm -hmm. will give you the strength to do that. But in, in, in light of everything, that's what we're called. We're called to be holy as God is holy. Um, so in the, the beginning, it says, so think clearly and exercise self-control. So if you go to different translations, I'm not sure which ones, but other translations. So it says, it literally says, gird the, lo gird the loins of your mind. That's a weird... Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I could say it just like it says here. So think clearly and exercise self-control. But sometimes when you go back to other translations, and even though it's like, oh, that's weird. What does that mean? Gird the loins of your mind. But when you look at what it means, it's quite powerful in the imagery. So it says, gird the loins of your mind. So, you know, back back in Peter's day, if, you know, they wore the long robes, and if you were going to be working or you'd run, they had to take these long robes and kind of tie them up in their belt. And that's what they were doing. They were girding up. The, the their loins they, <laughs> they were girding it up and hiking it up and they were preparing themselves for action they were preparing themselves to run or work or or for motion right and so when it says do this in your mind i just got this imagery of guys you got to prepare yourself mm -hmm. you have to make yourself ready because if you don't make yourself ready um you're not going to be ready, right? And it's this idea of like I had this question of, what is what's the what's the posture of my mind? Is the posture of my mind girded up, prepared? You know, my 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 shirt tucked in and ready, um, or is my posture sloppy? Is my posture lazy in my mind? Is my posture just like distracted? Um, because I find that I find that dangerous. Like if we don't. Is that idea of what he's saying here. So think clearly and, and exercise self-control. If you're not thinking clearly, if you're not exercising self-control, it's a very dangerous place to be. Uh, and I find that now with just yeah. everything that's going on in the world, if you are not um, thinking clear, clearly, soberly, sober, soberly thinking, you know, you're going to miss a lot of stuff that God's trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. You're going to get distracted by this news outlet, this Something, something's going on here or this. You're going to get so off track. But he says to gird up the loins of our mind, make ourselves ready. And then you think, well, how do I do that? How do I think clearly? How do I exercise self-control? How do I do this? What does it look like? And then he goes into telling us to be holy, right? right. It's the idea of you, you have to act like obedient children. You know better now. At one point you didn't, but now you know better. So you have to be holy because I am holy. So there's this call to holiness. And sometimes I think we can read the Bible and just just ignore things because we're like, well, I can't, I can't be holy. I can't. That's too much for me. I, I can't be holy as God is holy. So that must not, that verse might not apply to me. You know, we do these things maybe even subconsciously when we're reading. And I think we really need to stop ourselves from doing that. Yeah. Because even understanding that statement, he, that's a pretty big undertaking. That's a pretty big thing he's telling us to do is to be holy. But if you go back to, this is why when you're reading, you just got to pay attention to what he said. 
if you go back to that verse, is it verse 2? Being holy is the work of the Holy Spirit. Like, remember when we said we saw the Trinity, God the Father chose us, and the Spirit, what did He do? The Spirit made us holy. Yeah. So that's that part of why every day do I have to say, God, I need your Holy Spirit. God, I need you. Why do we have to do this? Um, because I need his Holy Spirit to be holy. I cannot in my flesh do it myself. I need the Holy Spirit. And so that's why, um, you know, Jesus says, it's better that I go because I'm going to leave with you, you know, somebody that's going to be a helper to you. somebody yeah. that's, And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us with all these things that in our flesh is impossible. But if we don't submit ourselves to him and call out to him, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. I think that's all I have for that. <laughs> stop. Hard stop. <laughs> for scripture say, you must be holy uh, because I am holy. Verse 17. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. Uh, okay, listen. I <laughs> was his favorite. <laughs> There's a song that There's says, a song about that. I am his faith. I'm just going to sing a lot of this stuff. Um, it's a great song. Kidding, but, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> he has no favorites. And so I, I make this joke all the time that um, you and God do not have a deal. Okay? If there is sin in your life and you're like, it's okay because God's okay with this, I know that I know it's not right. Like, I know it's not. Uh, what the I know it's not what God wants, but you know me and him we have a deal. He's okay with it. It's just this one thing. No, he's not okay with it. Yeah. He's not. You and God don't have a deal. He doesn't have favorites. You're not his favorite. All right. He loves it. That's like asking a parent which one's your favorite. All right. We have five kids. Do we have favorites? We do. But anyway, <laughs> um, we're not, but we're not going to tell people that. No. Um, it says to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. That, that, that idea of the, the reverent fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think it's just, it's important to understand again. God is not your bro. Okay. Um, he is the creator of the universe. Mm -hmm. He is sovereign. He is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is omnipresent. He is God. Yeah. And we need to understand that. And we need to recognize that. And we need to, to treat him as such. He's not, God is never going to just wink at your sin and yeah. say, it's okay. Yeah. I get it, man. You just try your best. Okay? That's not how God, he is not, <laughs> he's not the cool parent that lets you do whatever you want. Because he wants you to love him more. Yeah. Don't abuse God's grace. Mm -hmm. And don't abuse the, the don't don't abuse the the uh, don't forget what salvation what don't forget what your salvation cost. Mm -hmm. It yeah. cost the life of Jesus. Yeah. God gave his son for you. Mm -hmm. He gave his son for you. Don't abuse that. Mm -hmm. 
Don't forget that. His life was given as a ransom. He decided that long before, and other translation says, before the foundation of the earth was laid, God knew what it was going to take to redeem mankind. When we fall back into our old sin, we are showing a lack of care Mm -hmm. for God's sacrifice. Mm -hmm. We're showing a lack of care for what Jesus did for us. God chose him as a ransom before the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. The best gifts, the best gifts are ones that you know somebody's put a lot of thought into. Before God ever created humanity, he knew what would happen. Mm -hmm. He did it anyway. And he chose the gift of salvation through his son, Mm -hmm. thought out far before Mm -hmm. anything. And it just shows the, the, the love that God has for it. Th- and he says, just don't abuse that. I think that's a powerful thought when he says, because it's almost like he's reminding you of the seriousness of, of um, not to take it for granted. Uh, basically that reverent fear of him. And it's this thing of like reminding you of how much he loves us, how much he thinks that we're worth it. Because who did he give? It was, it was Christ. It was mm-hmm. Jesus, his own son. Who was the ransom? So it's yeah. almost that reminder yeah. of how much he values us and loves us. Yeah. You gonna finish now? I'm not. Oh. For time, I'm gonna. We're gonna stop there. And also because this next, I, I, I didn't tell you. I know. He doesn't. I didn't. I don't tell her things. I don't tell her everything. <laughs> All right. Christmas, Christmas, and Bible studies. Um. <laughs> No, it, the next few verses flow right into chapter 2. Okay. Uh, you'll notice, and I don't know if it does it in your Bible or in my Bible, they literally don't even put a chat, like mm-hmm. the number to chapter 2 in there. It just all flows in, so I want us to flow into that next week. So I'm going to stop right there and, and just leave it at that of, uh, yeah, our hope. <laughs> we have a living hope, and it is what is to come. And I feel like, too, if I could... If I could how would you word it to like summarize first Peter it would just be this idea of remain faithful like the whole mm-hmm. book is about us remaining faithful in spite of what we're going through and I think that's good that's why it's going to be good for us to put yourself wherever whatever you're going through reminding that we have hope we can have joy because of what you know is waiting for us but it's that it's a call it's a call to commitment it's a call to remain faithful it's good Hey, listen, thanks again for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, we're going to pick it up right here next week on Lunch with PB&J. If we are your number one podcast, let us know. But more importantly, let other people know. Why? Because we're the best podcast no one's ever heard of. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next week on Lunch with PB&J.